sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome in. This is Diamond Bets. Big second hour coming your way with Matt Stryker and Joe Pizapia. If you missed anything, remember, each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time, we come your way. Take us along at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. Joe Pizapia, you're the author, the mind behind the Black Book series, which has changed the way people are looking at sports, especially the way people are pulling money out of their love of pretty much everything, not just sports, finding value in things. So when we go around the diamond, we update the latest Major League Baseball news how do you find what's important and what's not so important? Mm, that's an excellent question, actually, Matt. Uh, I think what you're looking for, you one it's not just the big names sometimes, it's the smaller ones, too, that I think matter. Uh, and also, it's the trends of players that were once contending for MVPs that then disappeared for multiple seasons that seem to be rebounding a little bit. And that is something to pay attention to, to see if it's just a good week or see if maybe just maybe that player is getting back to the the guy we thought he was a few years ago. And let's start with Christian Yelich, who hit for another cycle. This is not the first time he's done it in his career. He's actually done it a few times. Christian Yelich has had a great week, hit for the cycle earlier this week for the Milwaukee Brewers. So we're going to do a little deeper dive. It's actually the third time he's done it. He did it on Wednesday. Uh, the Padres actually ended up signing Robinson Cano to a one-year deal after the Mets DFA'd him last week with the roster cut. So I don't know how much you want to glean from this, except maybe it's a, a left-handed DH bat they're going to throw out there a little bit. I don't think he's long for this roster necessarily, but I see where the Padres are coming from. They want to get a little bit more potential offense. I just don't know what's left in the tank for Cano. The White Sox placed Lucas Giolito on the COVID-19 injured list. This is important because Giolito had missed some time with injury, came back, was throwing darts. Now he's back with COVID onto the IL. So this constant stopping and starting with Giolito is frustrating for him. It's frustrating for fantasy owners. It's frustrating for people that want to bet on Giolito when he's out there pitching for the White Sox. I also get a little concerned, too, when pitchers get out of their comfort zone and their routine. They are creatures of habit. So this constant stopping and starting to the flow of the season. When Giolito comes back, I know the last time he came back from the injury, he had nine strikeouts, I think it was, in the first four innings that he pitched, right? He was a little limited that day. Just be careful that first start back. Have a little discipline. Just let him go make that first start back and get into the routine again because this constant stopping and starting, I think, is something that's a little dangerous to invest in. Uh, Alec Thomas uh, launched his first Major League home run after getting called up by the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll talk a little bit more about him in this segment, too. And then Jack Flaherty uh, dealing with a shoulder issue, trying to return through a bullpen session on Wednesday. So certainly the Cardinals could use some help in that rotation. Uh, they've been, uh, I think, disappointed for the most part with what they've gotten out of Steven Matz. It's been a little all over the place. Uh, Jordan Hicks, they've tried in that rotation spot, trying to get him in there. But I think trying to stretch a guy out is always a difficult thing at the major league level. But I want to come back to Yelich for a second because this is the one that's most important. Christian Yelich, a couple of years ago, we're looking at 2018, 2019 Yelich. He had an OPS over 1,000. This was a guy hitting 36 bombs, 44 bombs. Then you have the COVID short season of 2020 and last year. Combined in that period of time, the OPS was about 760. So 1,000 OPS to 760 is a massive drop-off. The power disappeared. So far this year, 
He's hitting 258 with a 350 OBP and a 467 slugging. That puts him at 817. Now, I know this last week has been good. Is this something that he can build on? Do you think there's a version where we get 80% of Yelich? Is there a version of Yelich we get 100% of the guy who is looking like the MVP as we welcome in our radio audience here to Diamond Bets on Sports Grid? We're talking about Christian Yelich and his cycle this week and looking very sharp. And we want to know, Matt Stryker, is this guy ever going to return to form of that peak Christian Yelich who, let me tell you, this guy was about as good as it got in the National League for two years. And then the last two years was about as bad as it could be. So where do you stand on Yelich's value? Well, here's the thing. When something is built well, it will last. And it may not have the same function or even form that it did when you first got it. That's the thing with Christian Yelich. And you and I talked about at the beginning of the season, not only Christian Yelich, but the hitters around him. I mean, guys like Adamas and Renfro and this team in general is going to have a pretty good time, save for the Cardinals, getting out of their division. Yelich will never be what he was, but to your point, 80%, sure, I'll sign off on something to that effect. And if you're wagering on Christian Yelich or you're wagering on players around Christian Yelich, start to look at him as the player that he is today, not the player that he was two, three, four years ago. There was an injury. There was structural damage. Things have changed, but he is still built well enough where you can find some profit. Yeah, and going back to Jack Flaherty, too, I think this would be a huge win for this rotation. Uh, Adam Wainwright uh, has pitched well again this year. He's at a 318 ERA. Miles Mikolas has been, um, or Miles Mikolas uh, has been fantastic this year, I think, better than anyone could have expected. Um, but how important is it for the Cardinals long term to get Flaherty back? And if they do get the Jack Flaherty, who's the dominant Jack Flaherty, back, can the Cardinals challenge the Brewers here in this division? The short answer is absolutely. Yes, without a doubt. Flaherty coming back gives the Cardinal pitching staff back their identity and their bullpen can be what it's supposed to be. Right now, the bullpen is in a state of juxtaposition because of everything going on. So you have to look at the Cardinals and what they want. They want Flaherty back to really anchor that thing down so they can challenge Milwaukee and challenge further into the postseason. All right, we come back. We're going to talk about the things that you want to add to your fantasy rosters because there's some names out there that can help you in the short term, maybe even the long term as well. So we come back, get your pen, your paper, I don't know, your phone, the little note app, whatever it is, we got the names for you. We return on Diamond Bits. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back in. The show is called Diamond Bets. My name is Matt Stryker. His name is Joe Pizapia. Each and every Sunday morning, we're here. You can take us with you everywhere you go. You can take the entire network providing breaking information and everything you need at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. Those are the social media handles. Joe, it is now time for perhaps, well, this one and a segment coming on after the next one are two of my favorites. Uh, here it is. It's the waiver wire ads. Everyone is running right now in season long fantasy to try to pick up the next hot guy, so on and so forth. And then you get there and oh, look, Joe has them already. So give me some waiver wire ads, some people that uh, people might not have on their radar that can help me, at least for this week. Well, look, Juan Yepes is probably on people's radars, but maybe not enough 
uh, or maybe not as much as he should be. He is rostered in 50% of leagues right now, and since he's been called up over his first 34 at-bats, five runs, 13 hits, he's got two bombs, uh, 382 average. Obviously, that's going to regress. There's no doubt about that. So let's let's get to know Juan Yepes. Uh, that's one of those old great uh, SNL bits from the 80s. Get to know me! Let's get to know Juan Yepes and who he is. Well, if you look at the minor league track record, over 500 games almost, just about, uh, he had a 274 batting average, a 339 OBP, a 453 slugging, and a 792 OPS. Now, this does not scream huge impact player to me, <clears throat> but what tends to happen with guys like Yepes, who just come up here, and I know he had a cup of coffee previously, is guys are going to throw fastballs at him. Here you go, kid, hit it, because they don't want a game plan for you if they don't have to. So there's a good opportunity here for Yepes to be successful early on. This is probably the best window to have him, and if he does well for the first few weeks, I would then look to flip him for something that's a little bit more constant, a player that you feel better about. If you could put him in a trade for a Cabrian Hayes or something like that, who got off to a bad start with his power department, but eventually will return to form. Those are the kind of moves you want to make, because I think when you look at the minor league track record of Yepes, it tells you he is kind of a, a decent middling guy. He's got some power. Yes, there's been some seasons where he had 20 home runs in the minor leagues, but Still, as much as you might think, well, he's only 24, he's developing, it's possible. Sure, he could sustain it over a longer period of time, but more often than not, these are the kind of guys that come up, have immediate success, and then when pitchers start to throw them more breaking stuff, more things away, challenge them a little bit, when they get the book on you, all of a sudden they tend to struggle at the major league level. Nolan Gorman, the next guy up, is who you should be adding for free right now because eventually he's going to get the call. And when Paul DeYoung got sent down this week, Tommy Edmond has been taking ground balls at shortstop. That move of Edmond to shortstop is inevitable. When Edmond feels comfortable at shortstop, I guarantee you Gorman will be the guy getting called up to play second base. That guy you could probably add for a buck for nothing. But Yepes is worth adding now, especially if you have trouble in the power department, because I do think for the rest of May, he can help you in that category. A little bit of pop goes a long way. And right now he's in a good lineup with some protection there with guys like Goldschmidt and guys like Arenado. So Yepes is an ad for me. I wouldn't go crazy and break the free agent budget for him, but I do think he can help you, at least in the short term. Matt, you watch a lot of Cardinals baseball. Do you think that Yepes has any longer-term aspirations than I'm putting on him? Because I, I guess I'm a little, I don't know, less enthusiastic, but I feel like he's a good Band-Aid right now to a power stopgap. What are your thoughts on Yepes? Well, you have every right to think that, especially when you look at the track record and you're the one that's actually put me onto the fact that the AA numbers speak just far more mm -hmm. than any other numbers. But with that said, in a lot of leagues, Yepes has first base, third base eligibility. That's in fantasy. So you can place him wherever you may need him. But where he will play in real life, that's why the designated hitter really matters for the National League. And yes, I do watch a lot of Cardinals baseball. And one thing I will say about Yepes that doesn't show up in the stat sheet is what he's doing with two strikes and what he's doing to spoil pitches. Now, you see a lot of major league hitters. You're like, well, why did he swing at that? Well, because there was two strikes on him. So he's got to spoil that pitch. He's got to keep the at-bat going. Yepes is starting to do that. And he is now a part of a Cardinal team organization and culture that will show him how important that is. So I think the hit right. tool can develop, and he's an intriguing play depending on, on what you need. Yeah, and the Cardinals need some offense. I mean, look, they haven't gotten what they wanted out of Dylan Carlson. Um, that certainly is not going uh, yeah. their way. Um, so yeah. no one – well, I mean, there's a certain time where you go, okay, is it ever? Um, but Nolan Gorman's that guy. I mean, he's leading the minor leagues in home runs. Uh, I know he strikes out a ton. Everybody strikes out a ton. So I don't really care about that at this point. You can't compare that to anything else. Are you hitting home runs? Are you driving in runs? 
okay, you make it hard contact. Good. Let's get him up here. All right. The next guy on this list is somebody that I guarantee you is available most likely in your league. And it's Jake Odorizzi. And if you look at the roster percentage, he is rostered in just 30% of leagues. And I understand why the first few starts for Jake Odorizzi this year were not good. However, after those few bad starts, this is a true story. Jake Odorizzi decided he's going to sit next to Justin Verlander and I guess huddle under the learning tree. And ever since he's been fantastic. Look at these numbers over the last few weeks here. Uh, they've, they've really come down quite a bit. If you look over the six games so far this season, 26 innings pitched, right? 17 Ks, 11 walks. Okay. You say, well, that's not that great. But if you look at what's going on here in the last 17 innings, he's given up two earned runs. <laughs> so all of a sudden things have changed dramatically here for Odorizzi. So to me, this is a very simple thing. It's confidence, it's approach, and it's something that goes beyond, I think, just your stuff. And it, the difference of a guy like Hunter Green that's got all the stuff, all the velocity in the world, pitching is more than that. It's about knowing when to throw which pitch and where to throw it. And the reason why guys like Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer have had such success is because not only do they have the big velocity, but they also know when to throw certain pitches and where to throw certain pitches. And I think for Odorizzi, a guy who doesn't have that same velocity, it's easy to lose confidence sometimes when things aren't going your way. But I think confidence, I think the the pace in which you work, if you watch Odorizzi these last three starts since that Verlander conversation where he's sitting on the bench with him in between every, every outing or whatever it is, that is clearly making a difference for this guy because he has been fantastic over these last three starts. And I think he is basically solidifying himself in this rotation, which is a opportunity for wins in Houston. He's going to get run support. He's going to get good defense. So I'm looking at Odorizzi right now as a guy you can add, play the matchups if you like, or at least ride the hot wave. And I know Odorizzi's been hit in his career, and I know he's been around a long time. But, you know, no matter how long you're around, you can always get better. That's what I always say to Matt Stryker. I, you know, I've been around forever, but <laughs> Matt Stryker makes me better because I learn under the tree of Matt Stryker. So what do you take out of this turnaround from Jake Odorizzi, Matt? So I love the insight about sitting with Verlander. I mean, any good musician will tell you it's the notes that you don't play. So yeah, there, there's a mental game to it and when to throw this and when not to throw that. But I think Odorizzi's best serve for this team in the bullpen. I really do. I think put Christian Javier in the everyday rotation. And if Odorizzi's working some things out, do it in the bullpen. That, that would be how I would look at that. Yeah. I don't see anyone breaking their leagues adding Jake Odorizzi. Well, I think you add him right now because you need pitching. Guys are missing starts all over the place. If you have Kershaw, he's going to miss two weeks. Maybe Jake Odorizzi gives you two good starts. Sure. If you're that guy, last yeah, guy here is, I'm with you. I think everybody's that guy right now with pitching this year. 60% rostered. How about Austin Hayes? He's still available in 40% of leagues. Did you know this? Why? I don't know. The batting average right now is at 291. He's got uh, three home runs on the year. Um, he's been a guy that has been... I would say uh, a strong uh, hitter in his career. I think he's a player that if you look at his minor league track record, always supported, I feel like the the higher rung in terms of what he can give you in batting average. But the problem is he's kind of struggled a little in the power department. And, and that's fine. That's typical of younger players. Six. I feel like Austin Hayes is starting to figure things out here. And in a year where we're looking desperately to find anybody who can make contact. Austin Hayes makes good contact. Austin Hayes can hit 290 all year for you. That's why I like Austin Hayes. Kind of quiet under the radar here for the Orioles. But what do you think about adding this guy 
and helping those roto league batting averages, which are just abysmal this year. Yeah, well, that's the thing, depending on the format in which you play, depending on the league you're playing, then everyone has a different value. But what I'm shocked about is that uh, six out of 10 people have him on their roster. So if you're if you're in need, you need to go out and get him. And if you don't have him available, you got to build them somewhere else, Joe. Yeah, yes, you do. All right. Uh, we come back. We're going to take uh, another look, another deep dive at some of the games coming up next week. A look ahead, a little preview. And my Mets against Matt's Cardinals are going to lead us off. Ooh, baby, you're not going to want to miss this. We'll be right back for more time today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, all right, everybody. Welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. Matt Stryker and Joe Pizapier with you each and every Sunday. We're talking baseball, talk about how to pull money out of your love of baseball. Joe, you're great. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Let's take a look ahead and break down some of these matchups because we did it last week and the week before. And every time I find these games going on, I hear you in my head. I hearken back to this show and I hear something you said. Or you said, keep an eye out for this. And it ends up happening. So that was the uh, the motivation for that simple, awkward statement of your greatness. I like it. <laughs> it's, I, I want that clip to be on the social media today. All over yes. at SportsGrid social media. Joe, you're great. I love that. I need that. I need that. It's been a long week. I appreciate it. And you're great too. I love you. It's a love fest here. There's no doubt about that. But let's see if Joe Stradamus can do it again. Let's take a look at a four-game set here. And this is why the Jack Flaherty injury, I think, has been so uh, detrimental to the Cardinals in many ways in terms of long-term outlook. Because you look right now in this matchup they've got against the Mets. They're going to travel to New York this week. Miles Mikolas is going to take on Tyler the Terrible, Tyler McGill. Now, McGill was awful in his last start. Boy. Poor Tyler McGill. Buck Charlton's like, well, go out there and eat this one, son. <laughs> he just went out there for a second inning after eating in the first, and then eventually he pulled him in the second. It was just brutal. Uh, but you got Mikolas and McGill. McGill has pitched really well this year outside of that one blow-up yeah. start. <clears throat> Maybe it was something mechanical. Maybe he was tipping pitches, whatever it is. But you got to favor Mikolas in this first one. Then you get Steven Matz against Tywin Walker. Uh, my favorite wager in this one would be the over, because I don't think either of these guys <laughs> necessarily are going to pitch – to a 2-1 contest. It would be very unlikely that that is going to happen. Uh, then you get Jordan Hicks versus Max Scherzer, where you're just going to get outclassed here. Hicks is going to be a four-and-a-half inning, maybe five-inning starter at the most. Uh, if you don't get to Scherzer when you have that one opportunity a game, you ain't getting to him. And then Chris Bassett, who's been as good as it gets. And, and Dakota Hudson, you know, the ERA is pretty good, but if you look at the walk rate, it's off the chart. It's not good, and you can't make those kind of mistakes, especially against a team – uh, like the Mets, it does have some pop in there. If you walk a couple guys, next thing you know, Pete Alonso's at home run, Starling Marte's at home run, Lindor. So I know Lindor struggled a little bit recently, but he was red hot. And he's just, baseball is a game of streaks. But if you look at this, uh, those last two games, it's hard not to favor the Mets. Uh, the Mets still have not lost a series all year. So I would approach this as you go with the Mikolas side in that first game because he is he has deserved the respect. And McGill's coming off that awful start. If you're getting a crazy number on the Mets, though, there's room to love the upset because Tyler McGill up until that start has been relatively decent. And in fact, I would say very good almost. 
that second game, I would look for the over and the run total in that third and fourth game. I'm looking for some K props there for Scherzer, probably the over. I would imagine that number is going to be probably six and a half, maybe seven. I still think you can get over that potentially, even though it's a very high number, uh, especially with some of the bottom of that lineup for the Cardinals, which is outside of Arenado and outside of Goldschmidt. You know, Edmund's a good player, but you know, you're not getting the 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 offense you think or you need out of the bottom of that order right now. And then Chris Bassett has been absolutely spectacular, another big time competitor. And I think the problem is uh, Dakota Hudson walking guys. And when you walk too many guys against a good team that does create runs and the Mets are an offense that does create runs because they are speedy, they do take extra bases. That's a problem. So I think that's going to be the blow up there for Hudson. So I would like uh, your thoughts on this contest because uh, I see this as potentially a split. Uh, that's the way I would go here. I would go the first two. We'll give the first two to the St. Louis Cardinals and the next two to the Mets, which I know sounds easy and looking on paper. Baseball's not played on paper, though. It's played on the field. So uh, anything you're seeing that I'm not here in this series, Matt? No, no, I'm, I'm in accord with you, especially on the split and giving the Mets the propensity to not drop a series, uh, looking at the way the pitching shakes out. So I asked the question, how do I find value? Well, I think it's probably going to come on some of the run lines here. And you can also work to manipulate those things as well. Try to find plus money because he, something more than plus 105 at least because everything's going to be in the minus here, especially with the way the Mets are playing. Unless you lean on the Cardinal side, and then I think you'll find plus money everywhere. But you want to bite your nails that the whole way through? The Mets are doing everything mm. really well, Joe. They're playing defense. They're pitching well. Their bullpen is really good. So to me, that would be the route that I would take in this series. And I know that if we get long into the season here and things start to fall apart, Matt is going to really enjoy that even more. Uh, I know from experience that if things fall apart for the Mets, you can hear it in his voice like everything is so good. It's so good right now. The key is that right now he likes to throw in at the end. Don't I know your game striker. Let's not. We've we, we've been friends for a long time now. I know. I know the way you're going there. And trying not to the problem laugh. being a Mets fan is you. <laughs> you try not to because you know it's true. <laughs> Let's go to Houston at Boston. Oh, the Red Sox, the poor poor Red Sox. But the Red Sox have a puncher's chance in some of these games because they're going to throw Garrett Whitlock in that first game, Nate Eovaldi in the second, and then Nick Pavetta in the third game. Odorizzi, our friend, going against Garrett Whitlock in that first game. So. Odorizzi's pitched really well. Uh, Whitlock has pitched really well. So Whitlock, if you look at over him, I know they've converted him into the starter, but he's been dominant. Right. 24 innings, 219 ERA, 34 strikeouts. So look for the strikeout total for Garrett Whitlock, even though it's against Houston. Houston's still a team that can strike out a fair amount on any given night. So I would look for that one for Garrett Whitlock. But in terms of getting the W, I would still be on that side of Odorizzi and Houston because something's clicked here with Odorizzi He's just been really solid. He is getting outs in big spots. He is um, not getting hit around the ballpark <laughs> like he was in the first few weeks of the season. So whatever's clicked here, there's a lot of things to like in this game. Specifically, like I said, the the Astros for the win, or if you want to go the first five innings, however you want to go with Odorizzi, but then Whitlock for that strikeout prop, because even though it's a good Houston lineup, Whitlock's been that much better. Uh, Jose Urquidy, always a guy that can give you a quality start out there against Ivaldi now. Um, Ivaldi is a pitcher that can give up home runs. That's the night that I'd be looking for that Houston lineup. I'm looking for Alvarez in Fenway Park, right? I'm looking for that left-handed power bat. That's the night where I'm going to look for a home run prop, total bases, whatever it is on Alvarez. That's what I'm targeting. Uh, then Nick Pavetta versus Garcia. 
this one is one of those classic four outcome games, which I like to stay away from. You can see this game going <laughs> one way, the other way, blow up, no runs. I hate those games. I don't want to invest in those games. It's a long season. Most nights I've got, you know, 13, 15 games I can invest in. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to stay away from ones like this. So I'm out on game three, but I'm in on the first two very specifically, especially with Alvarez in that second game against Eovaldi. What are your thoughts on this series of Boston hosting the Astros? Can Boston turn things around? Yes, they can, just not against Houston. I think the Astros take two or three, if not all three, and you're a thousand percent right. I think every single night you're throwing something down on Jordan Alvarez. How can you not? Uh, it's just one of those things. Trends are trends until they are no longer trends. And right now, this guy is absolutely crushing the ball. Uh, on a flip, though, in that 517 game, some Eovaldi K props, you're right. There, there is a way to catch some benefit for Boston. I just don't want to dump entirely on them. But I'm just looking at what I've seen over the last six weeks or so. And those are the plays I'd make in this series, Joe. All right, let's go to the next one here. And it's a good one. The San Diego Padres traveling to San Francisco to take on the Giants. And that first game you're getting, you Darvish versus Carlos Rodon. What a fun game this is going to be. And, oh, yeah. you know, just for perspective, if you still don't realize what's going on with Carlos Rodon this year, I'm going to lay it out for you. Six games, 35 innings. He's 4-1 and one with a 180 ERA, 53 strikeouts in 35 innings. 53 and a .91 whip. That is unbelievable he's just just 12 walks over those 35 uh innings as well uh the guy's been brilliant and it's really hard right now to go against carlos rodon in any way i don't care if it's you darvish i don't care if it's walker bueller i really don't care who it is on the other side of that mound that he's facing i have to go with the rodon side right now because he has been so good and so dominant this year for the san francisco giants i think you have to pound on that um, I would definitely look at the strikeout prop for Rodon. I would go the over, even if it's set high in the seven range, which I think it's going to be potentially in that area. Uh, I would also look for the winning outright for San Francisco that night, because he could just bridge that gap into, you know, give you a six to seven innings strong. It's a shorter gap for the bullpen, better chance for the win. And that's what Rodon gives you. And he's won four games already so far this season. And the second game though, Sean Manaya versus Desclafani. I think this is the one that favors the Padres side a little bit more. Uh, and then you got Joe Musgrove against Alex Wood and no offense to Alex Wood, but Joe Musgrove has been almost as dominant as Carlos Rodon. His ERA is sitting at two right now. I mean, this guy has been incredible. Uh, and Musgrove, I feel like still nobody cares. Nobody's talking about Joe <laughs> Musgrove and what this guy's been doing. And, and every week I come here and I keep talking about Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove. And I don't know why it is, Matt. And I wonder if it's because Musgrove has taken so long to blossom into this pitcher. You know, he was supposed to be a big prospect with Houston. He gets traded to Pittsburgh, kind of struggles with Pittsburgh, eventually gets moved to San Diego, you know, eventually starts to find himself. And then the last year and change has been unbelievable for Joe Musgrove. Do you think it takes a long time to shake off that dust of prospect, prospect, can't miss, can't miss, and then he struggles, and all of a sudden he becomes that guy? Do you think that's what's happened with Musgrove? Because I can't think of a reason why people aren't investing in this guy all over the place on a weekly basis. 
You know it, I know it, as an athletic performer, there comes a point where you become comfortable out there, where you know whatever happens, mm, you're yeah. in control. Musgrove is finally comfortable out there. Uh, I think the Padres take two of three, especially those last two. As far as Rodon and his K-props, I've seen them set as high as nine and a half, and that's simply because no other pitch has more strikeouts than, I believe it's Rodon's four-seamer. So that's why Rodon's K-props are set there. But Joe's right. You see it at seven and a half? I would look at that even if it's at a small minus price. Yeah, I, um, and whatever you get on Musgrove, too, with the gate props, you take him because that San Francisco lineup is not very good. 41 strikeouts in 39 innings and for Musgrove, and he's 4-0 so far in his first six starts. 4-0 with a 208 ERA. Doesn't get much better than that, except Rodon, just slightly better. When we come back, we're going to ask important questions and answer them right here on Sports Grid. Don't go anywhere. We're at Diamondbeds right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There it is. It is now time for more Diamond Bets as we bid a fond farewell to one of our very own, Sports Grid Sam, about to go off into the world. We wish you all the best, Samuel. And remember, when you hear that voice, you must respond with, your faithful servant is listening. And now, I'm a faithful servant to the one and only Mr. Joe Pizzapia, the king of the land. Joe, it is time to round the bases. Basically, there are five questions that are asked. You answer, and we all scramble to our respective leagues and stuff and try to do exactly <laughs> what you said. Are you ready? Uh, I am. I'm ready. And I'm mad at myself because this week, by the way, I had a prop bet, uh, actually a parlay that I loved. It was all this plus money on Bryce Harper against Tyler Anderson earlier in the week. And his numbers against lefties weren't good. And then I was all in on this, and it was plus money everywhere. Oh, my God. It would have won so much money, and I didn't do it because of the, the UCL story thing. And I was like, oh my God, is this guy really hurt? Is it really going to be tough for him? And then he went out there and proceeded to go yard on that guy and crush that prop in one swing of the bat. So crush the parlay you of the total base and everything, one swing of the bat. So we all make good mistakes, Matt Stryker. We all make mistakes. Yeah, good job. Yeah, but, my failure. But picking ourselves up and how we how we dust ourselves <laughs> off what matters. So let's do this, all right? Question number one. It's actually let's a great question. It. In your opinion, what's a more profitable prop bet? RBI props or total mm. base props and why? See, to me, this is not like an easy one or the other answer. It's very circumstantial. It depends on the player. It depends on their spot in the lineup. It depends on the guys in front of them. Are the guys getting it? You know, guy in the middle of the order is a great, you know, bet for an RBI, except are the guys in front of them getting on base? <laughs> you know, and if they're not, that's a problem. See, to me, one is an individual bet. The other is a group effort. So the group effort is the guys have to work with you for the RBI one. Now, most of the time you're going to get that at, you know, 0.5. So a little easier to get theoretically, but I think that's the temptation that leads you down the wrong path because the total bases with a guy who's red hot, if you get a one and a half with even, you know, a small juice of a plus 110 on a stand when he's red hot, you take that every day of the week. So I prefer the total bases. Uh, what's nice is like you can go to a place like Betting Pros, um, which is where I work with on Fantasy Pro side and the betting side. You know, they have that prop bet cheat sheet that comes out every single day. 
and you can filter it by all the plus money and then all the total base props or the the RBI ones. And this is the exactly what I was getting at before with the Harper one. It was plus money everywhere for a guy like Bryce Harper on these bets on both of them. And then a third one for the home run. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, like this is this is a lot. Go get it, right? All this plus money on a player that good. So it's very circumstantial. For me, I prefer total bases in a vacuum, but the RBI one can be just as profitable. You have to make sure you're paying attention to more than just that player, though. It has to be about the other guys in that lineup, how they're hitting, and what those matchups are for them. If you have a dominant lefty and two guys at the top of the order left-handed or don't hit lefties well, that's going to be a problem then for that RBI guy, most likely. You're already dragging down a 70% failure rate in baseball for the good guys down to 80%. That's that's yeah. doesn't sound like a lot, but it's worse. It's far, far worse. And do you have a preference between these two? Because it is a fascinating question. Well, it is. And, and I love that uh, feature that you talked about. If maybe you could tweet that out or maybe give your co-host a gratis account, I'd really appreciate that because that's actually really cool to be able to sort all those total base props and things like that. So you made all the points that I would make on the RBI prop. It is contingent upon someone else doing something. And you have to know the team or at least understand their stats and off the guy ahead of the guy that you like was able to knock that in. I play total base props uh, one and a half plus 140 is what I'm usually looking at all the time. And sometimes when you're lucky, they did it early in the season, they'll do it late in the season. You do get that half a total base, but it's few and far between. It's usually heavy minus money. All right, on to the second question for Joe. Will Xander Bogarts finish the season as a member of the Boston Red Sox? Hmm. You know, my initial instinct was no. And then the longer I thought about this question just now when I was looking at it coming up, I felt like it might be yes, because I'm looking around for the teams that are in contention. All right, the Dodgers don't need a shortstop. Certainly the Padres don't need a shortstop. I think we could all agree on that. You could say the Cardinals need a shortstop, but if Nolan Gorman comes up, maybe that's like the Cardinals, that one spot where Xander Bogarts is a fit. You could move a Nolan Gorman or Yepes in a package, maybe for Xander Bogarts. Wow. Milwaukee doesn't need a shortstop. The Mets don't. The Braves don't. Uh, you look in the American League, the Minnesota Twins just spent all that money on Correa. Tim Anderson's with the White Sox. So I'm looking for uh, the, the peg to put Xander Bogarts in for all these competitive teams. I can't really find one. <laughs> I mean, maybe the Astros, but I think they want to give that kid Pena a shot. I don't think there's any reason to to run off the board there. Um, I don't think the Yankees are going to be making any deals <laughs> with the Red Sox anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I actually think he's going to stay put in the longer Trevor's story struggles. The more I think the Red Sox should really step back and say, okay, what kind of investment do we want to make? Because the Trevor story contract right now to me is looking like a team that went out there on a limb just because and then immediately regrets it. And it's unfortunate. And I think they were trying to give themselves insurance or leverage in the Xander Bogarts negotiations. And I think it's backfired. I think it's really handcuffed them in terms of making a good offer to Xander Bogarts, one that he's worthy of. So right now, I'm going to say he sticks because I don't see a trade partner there. And you're not going to trade him in the division. That ain't going to happen. So Matt, where do you stand on this one? I say no. I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, silly you, applying logic to sports business. No, you're a thousand percent right. Where would he go? You know, it'd be funny if Xander Bogarts, if uh, Colorado are in the race and Xander Bogarts goes to Colorado, that would be just humorous. But beyond that, you're right. Where would he end up? And what can he bring to a team? Because he's not the kind of guy they say, oh, well, there's the DH. He's, no, no, no. He's, he's, he's there for really what he mm-hmm. does, I think, on the field. 
less so what he does with the bat. Although there are times where he's a streaky ball player. So uh, it's a tough question, but you're right. No landing spot does make it hard. Uh, third question for you, and I know my outright answer here, but I'd like to hear yours. Uh, currently, who's the best manager in Major League Baseball? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, here, here's going to be my answer. And and you're gonna and maybe you'll you know ha ha it. I think Dusty Baker is, and I'll tell you why. Because Dusty Baker took a situation that could not have been more negative and worse, and he's done nothing but win with all the vitriol, all the hatred of the team, all the negativity, all the you know the players themselves feeling awkward in the media, and he somehow refocused the Astros. Over these last few years, and the Astros go to World Series last year, and they're 22 and 12 this year. So I think Dusty Baker doesn't get enough credit. And it's funny because it's not about managing the numbers, it's about managing the people. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing about, well, managers in baseball should just be these guys that push buttons now for the front office. And it's so idiotic to me. It's just, it's so dumb. And if you look at the managers that have success, the managers that have success are the Tito Franconas of the world and the guys, you know, like Dusty Baker over long periods of time who manage the people. You're managing personalities over a very long period of time, twice as long as every other sport in a game that you play almost every day and you travel all over the country. I think it's Dusty Baker because I don't think anyone's been dealt a tougher hand, not in terms of talent, but in terms of situation. And he's been nothing but thriving in it ever since. So that's my answer. And you, what's, what's yours since you knew it right away? I'm fascinated to hear this. Well, I love the fact that you went outside the box and that you went with that because, yeah, there is something about that personality in the clubhouse and the team takes on that personality. And, and Dusty Baker's a fantastic answer. Mine is Buck Showalter and what he has done with the New York Mets. And it's proof positive is what's on the field, changing the culture of the team. That's the thing. And that's what Buck has done. Save from same thing what Dusty Baker has done. Okay, question number four. Uh, which team has the most reliable bullpen in baseball? Great question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you got to say. Great answer. Reliable and bullpen. Has there ever been a more oxymoron yeah. phrase in the history of the game? I don't know. Um, I guess whoever has the best guy in the ninth inning, and that's Josh Hader, right? So I'm going to say Milwaukee because at the end of the day, you're going to have guys that go on good runs in the seventh and eighth innings or, you know, the long relief guys who go on some good runs here and there. But it, it always comes down to that guy at the back end and how you feel your confidence level of that dude. And my confidence level for hater is that now collectively, you probably have a different answer and I'm sure you have a better one than I do, but I don't know, Matt, I look at that and I say haters in the ninth inning. Can the other guys just be good enough some days? Yes. Okay. Because uh, Craig Mish actually said this to me once and I never forgot it. And I, I think he stole from someone else, but I'll just give Craig credit for it. He said, if hmm. relief pitchers were any good, they'd be starting pitchers. And that hit home to me. <laughs> and I realized I'm like, you're right. If they were any good, they would be starting pitchers. Why would you only want a guy for one inning when you could have him for five or six? So I'm going to go with Milwaukee because of the guy at the back end. At the end of the day, everybody's kind of middling in the middle. It's that dude you have at the end. But is there a better collective out there in your opinion, Matt? Now I want you to enjoy this because it's not going to happen often. I gave you the Buck Showalter as the best manager. Oh I'm going to give you the New York Mets as the most reliable bullpen <sighs> in baseball currently. They've been proving it, scoreless inning streaks, things of that nature. I know there's regression, but right now the Mets are where it's at. Question number five, and this is a great no, one. No, wait, 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 wait. This is all setting us what? up. Wait, 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 wait. 
This is all setting us up. I want you to know for today, the Mets to lose their first series of the year. Matt has said nice things about the Mets repeated times in the show today. This will be the game today, Sunday, mark it down, put all your money on Robbie Ray and the Mariners. This will be it. The first series they lose after all the great manager, you know, great bullpen, all these nice things. Just watch, just watch. Go ahead. Ask your question. There he is folks. A bitter Met fan. All right. Um, it, it went up. We throw <laughs> the graphic back up. <laughs> and this is a really good question for wagers, for fantasy players, DFS, everything. And here it is. Throw the graphic up. Perhaps the most important question. How can Juan Soto get out of his early season slump? Joe, break this down. Do your thing. Juan Soto is the best player in baseball. That's right. I said it. He is. Now, Shohei Otani is the most versatile. Mike Trout is fantastic. But if you ask me who I want to start a team with, it's Juan Soto. The problem with Juan Soto right now is Juan Soto has a bunch of jabronis around him. And he doesn't have, an, I mean, like, I love Nelson Cruz. He's 110 years old. I mean, you got, you know, Cesar Hernandez, a journeyman guy. Alcides Escobar, who's never been able to hit. Victor Robles, who's not a major league hitter. There's nothing here. There's nobody getting on base. I mean, Josh Bell's been okay. But... I mean, Juan Soto is the kind of player that any great player still needs a little bit of help. And even despite all this, he's got eight home runs and a 916 OPS. How about the struggles everybody's talking about? These struggles. Eight home runs. The problem is he's only got 11 RBIs in the eight home runs. That tells you everything. Who does this remind you of? Reminds you of Bryce Harper last year, doesn't it? Where Bryce Harper had, he had like what, 20 something home runs and 38 Mm -hmm. RBI at one point or something absurd. (laughs) Right. Because nobody was helping the dude nobody's helping Juan Soto. I want to help Juan Soto. I want to get him to another team, but unfortunately he's going to have to just wait it out because I don't think they're going to trade him. I really don't. Well, why wouldn't they though? That's the whole thing. If they're not going to sign him, you end up Mm -hmm. getting nothing for the guy. It's silly. So to answer the question, it's something I'm trying to instill in my two and a half year old son. It's a simple word. It's patience. I think Juan Soto needs to have patience. (laughs) Don't swing at pitches outside the zone. Understand that they are going to walk you, and if they do, take your walks and do your thing. That's the only way to get out of it. Yeah, well, uh, I I'm pretty patient. I just the the amount of haul you would get for Juan Soto is staggering. But I think Juan Soto controls his own fate, and he's going to want to go wherever he gets paid the most. So an organization has to know that, and they have to be willing to take him on and then seriously entertain that commitment. I know the Mets want him. But you ain't trading them to the Mets. That would be stunning. We'll see. More Diamond Bets on the closer side. We come back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, folks, what a show it has been. I got to tell you, man, stop and smell the roses and realize wherever you are in your life, how lucky you are to be able to do the things you do, because this is this is not work. Joe, you're a pleasure. Jack, you've been a pleasure. Sports Grid Sam, pleasure to you as well in your good and long and healthy life, wherever you may end up. As you can tell, we are closing it out here. Matt Stryker and Joe Pizzapia for Diamond Bets. Joe, it's time for three outs, three things you're looking for, my friend. Take us home. I want to see how the Dodger rotation responds without Kershaw. He's been so good. Everyone's told me about Kershaw. He's so great. He's a Cy Young, but here we are, another Kershaw injury. And this is always my fear. This is my nightmare. 
that Kershaw gets hurt again. And there you have it. And Tony Gonsolin, God bless him, pitches the contact and doesn't strike anybody out. I don't know how long that's going to last. It's great when you're going against the Pirates. But what happens when you start facing better lineups? Uh, the Yelich Renaissance, will it continue? Or will it just uh, fall away and fade away into oblivion again? I don't know. I'm hoping he's back because I want to believe. I love the Brewers team. Everybody knows I'm a closet Brewers fan enjoying this run they've had the last few years. But I want Yelich to get back to being that dude. And last one, can we please get a Nolan Gorman call up? First, I thought it was going to be him getting called up. And instead, we get Juan Yepes. And that's fine. He deserves it. It's good. It's a good fit. Then I see Paul DeYoung getting sent down. And I think this is it. What's the corresponding move? It's not Nolan Gorman. So I'm being patient. I'm waiting for Tommy Edmund to take his ground balls. And when he's done with his Tom Amansky skills video work, I want nice. Nolan Gorman to come up and get on it. So Matt, that's what I'm looking for. Matt, anything for you you're looking for this week when you're uh, watching baseball? I love it. I think the Dodgers are now vulnerable without Kershaw. Great point. Even if Yelich doesn't have a renaissance back to what he was, he's still going to be profitable. And if Gorman comes up, man, oh man, I'm all over it, buddy. I like it. I'm excited. Add Max Meyer and add Nolan Gorman to all your fantasy leagues this weekend now for two bucks and just just sit on it. All right. I want to thank our entire amazing crew here. As always, it's great hanging here for more sports grid programming. And we'll be back again next week on Sunday to do it all again. That'll do it for us. But the story of the game goes on for Matt Stryker. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids.